Hello, hello, all. Welcome back to the We Need to Talk Club podcast. This is our Girlfriends Talking Girlfriends series. We are still on season three, but we are seeing the light. We're almost at the end. We actually have decided we're going to talk about three episodes today. And if it goes well, we'll keep it up that way because it's a lot of episodes, y'all. So we might be going three by three by three in the future. We'll let you know. But for now, we are going to discuss episodes 21, 22, and 23. So let's introduce ourselves. I'm one of your hostesses. My name is Tamaya. Let's go down to uh, Central Jersey. Please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Ariana. And let's take it over to <laughs> uh, West Coast. West Coast. <laughs> thank you. Thank hello, you. Hello, hello. This is Esther. So excited to be here with you all. So Yes, I'll pass it on to my last but certainly not least co-host in the South. What it do is Shakima. Ooh, I love that jingle in your voice. Yes. <laughs> it was quite lovely. It was quite lovely. It was very, very seasonal. All right. So <laughs> we shall begin. Season three, episode 21. So in this episode. I didn't write it down, so I'm going to do it off the top of my noggin. This episode, Sharon is in a full official relationship with William. It, it comes official in the episode. Um, and he's back at the law firm with a significant raise and positioning. So he's doing really, really well. They're dating um, and trying to keep it on the low low. But of course, William tells Joan, as if Joan is not the most known for basically dropping people's secrets. I mean, the entire mm -hmm. show, I feel like she's always dropping someone's secret. Mm -hmm. But he tells her, well, she guesses and he confirms, asks her to keep it a secret. And lo and behold, we don't even get through, I don't think, two days before she spills the beans. Not just to anybody, but to Sharon herself. Because Sharon oh, is still kind of, um, what, what would that be called? Verbally abusing her? Um, in the workplace, and so it's pissing her off enough to try to throw a shot back, but this shot in, 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 incidentally actually affects William and hurts him, because he believes he really feels something for Sharon. Um, so, yeah. And then, and then her speaking up causes Sharon to dump William. Then she goes ahead and talks Sharon into getting back with William, just for William to tell her he don't really want the relationship with Sharon. So then when Sharon decides to become friends with Joan, which seems like a very decent relationship, um, Joan then spills that beans, <laughs> which causes Sharon to dump him yet again. It was quite funny. I feel like, what, we had many breakups and makeups in this whole episode between those two, which I honestly, I'm a little sad because I kind of like the idea of William and Sharon. What about you guys? What did you think about their relationship? Um, did you feel like they, you know, <laughs> in the wake of TJ Holmes and, Amy Robach and all this. Did you feel like they should have pulled away from each other like initially planned because they work in the same establishment? Is there is what is that? What I mean, because I, I think yeah, please. Is it because legally me, they, it's not me, a bad thing? I, but. I very much adhere to the belief, especially when you are in more of a corporate structure and you are not that we have more work from home, it might be a bit you know, lacks on this, but if you're still in the office, mm -hmm. definitely, definitely am I am strongly against um supervisors, like you know, people managers mm -hmm. or any sort of people mm -hmm. in and and leadership mm -hmm. dating or even hinting at dating people who are below them that they manage. Mm -hmm. You know, because even if you are doing things by you know the integrity, all of that as humans, you, we can't help it, right? Because mm -hmm. you'll be like, oh, well, I know William and I are thinking about taking a vacation in two weeks, right? For example, so let me rearrange our schedules in our work so that it works for us, right? So things like mm -hmm. that, that might seem innocuous, but does have impact on other people because I'm going to be like, well, um, why does William get to have his workload lessened or things worked out for him when I need to take my vacation and I still have to go and, you know, submit and wait for you to, to um, approve it. Like things like right. that. Right. Um, so 
to summarize, I'm definitely am not a fan of any sort of re- relationship like this at all. Right. That's that's completely it, Esther. You you really hit the nail on the head there. Head on the nail, whatever way it goes. No, you said it but, right, girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> just in my own career, right? You you have to be conscious of the relationships you have with the people that report to you. Mm-hmm. Um because it can appear one way and then it it starts to get into the realm of oh favoritism and mm-hmm. and all of these different things now for William and Sharon it was like even though they didn't want it to be broadcast like she was really emotional about um their relationship as a whole and it's mm-hmm. like okay you can't have that in the workplace like outside of work yes you can be super emotional about it or whatever the case but if it starts to trickle into the workplace then now you start to get into all of these other things and it doesn't help that William is back into the business and he has a crazy raise and he has a new office and he has like all of these things right right? Right. it just feeds into that so Mm -hmm. I think I think Esther really um yeah Mm -hmm. that that was a good one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> excellent breakdown me, right the yeah. other thing that i want to touch upon with the fav- favoritism aspect as well is that when these particular relationship end again oh. it has such a devastating effect not just on the person but also on the whole team and potentially the whole company because think about i don't know if you guys remember but um i think he was the head of cnn um and he had a relationship with like some other VP of his, right? Huh. And again, nothing in, uh, inappropriate, but I don't know if they broke up or anything. But again, it's sort of like, it puts you in a very bad light. Mm-hmm. Because again, we're humans. And so are you going to be able to work with that person going forward? Are you going to be able to be objective and fair to them now that you guys are no longer you know, together, since mm-hmm. you know so many um, personal details about them, right. are you again able to really take them at face value when they tell you something or not? Right. So again, really, if I know, right, we're humans, things happen for sure, but mm-hmm. and forbidden love is always there's some a of the saying, hot right? Stuff. And the saying <laughs> that said, like, do not shit where you eat. Really, don't, don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and i i don't think i would want to marry some well not marry but like date someone who has that much power over me like y'all get in an argument one day or y'all want to break up then i'm demoted or something <laughs> <laughs> no it's true hours. it's true like <laughs> what's going on with my hours why well, i ain't got nothing because i don't want to see you like stuff like that like, right I don't want you being able to dict- like dictate my life at work. Right. We already kind of had dictation over each other's lives at home. Mm-hmm. A little And now you got to tell me what to do at work too? Uh-uh. Recipe for disaster. No. What about outside of the workplace? What did you ask to get the relationship, a relationship outside of that? That's fine. <laughs> but- yeah. Well, not you just the general. I just mean work, like her personality and his personality. It kind of, to me, I liked it. But what did you guys think? She's a little less crazy than the rest of them. I mean, because to be honest, we he like him a little. Mm. Oh, a little crazy. Yeah, you're right. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> he got a type, don't he? Yeah, he do. He do. <laughs> What about you, Ari and uh, Esther? Did you guys have any thoughts on their personal relationship with before he got back into the office? It's given mommy issues. Oh, it's, it's given mommy issues. Ooh. Um, oh, oh, I mean, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> like, he wants someone that's going to dictate over his life, like. Which is fine if that's what you're into. You know, you want to be the submissive and you want your women to be the dominant. Like, that's fine. That's fine. But it's definitely given, um, I don't know. I mean, we only seen like a few scenes with them, like outside of work. 
Mm-hmm. But I guess, like, personality-wise, they're both a little questionable. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So I believe that was the crux of that um, entire episode. The only other thing, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, that was basically the gist of that one. Maya's getting back out there in the dating scene. It did catch me off guard. I thought um was a topic, could be a topic of discussion. Jones constant apologizing throughout the entire episode to the point where William's like, if you don't stop saying sorry to me, but it's like a default. Not necessarily might be her issue, but has any of us, because I know I have, mm-hmm. had that issue where it's like over apologizing. What do you guys think of that? Do you think it's a a an insecurity thing is it more seen more so seen in women and friends women friends you know what I mean like this constant need to I'm sorry I'm sorry oh I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry like you know like if we bring ourselves I feel like if I I personally feel like if I always bring myself in a kind of subordinate position or a uh, meeker state I usually feel like whatever situation I'm in kind of will go smoother and better than if I present, and it doesn't seem that deep in the moment, but it is. Like if I bump into somebody when we're walking, I'd rather be like, sorry, even if it was like, like that's my reaction to kind of de-escalate and kind of move move on and move forward with whatever that situation is. That's me personally. I don't love it. I'm trying to do it, but what were you going to say, Kima? I used to be like that. You used to be? <laughs> yeah, one day John said, why are you always saying sorry? Right. Stop saying sorry all the time. <laughs> I'm like, do I say it all the time? Like, yeah. Man, they'll cat they'll be the ones too. I feel like our partners <laughs> sometimes will be the ones to constantly be like, okay, you need to stop this. Like this is too much. And I think that's a big topic for me, especially when I was in uh college and as I was starting early on in my career, mm-hmm. that as women, we were definitely socialized to make others feel comfortable for the most part, right? Again, not all women, this is a generalization and a big stereotype, right? Mm-hmm. But because we, for the most part, are socialized by society to um, make ourselves approachable and just overall, like, make ourselves not... Aggressive. Aggressive, and really as Black women, right? Because we're fighting against not just um, sexism, but, like, Black kind of sexism against black women specifically, right? Misogyny war, and so in that way, we are very much always pol- policing ourselves, mm-hmm. and policing ourselves tend to be like, oh, well, what do you think about this idea? Well, I'm so sorry to bother you, or do you have a you know a moment to really consider this? Like, really, we always kind of sh- um, uh, what is the word? Not shelter, but just surround our language and our behavior around not being seen as the angry black stereotype black women stereotype right we're dealing with the intersectionality of all of those things for sure yeah it definitely softens the blow on everything right it does right right if you if you're the one taking accountability for why you're asking this question or Mm -hmm. you know for why you're making these inquiries or why you're going against the grain mm-hmm, <laughs> essentially mm-hmm. um right no that's a good point yeah it knocks people off of the defensive mm-hmm. it it can be used like i feel like i used it strategically for a long time and i think part of me still does but then it it became to override my life in which i realized i'm using it all the time not when it's necessary immediately to kind of put myself in a position where now you maybe you're willing to hear me or now maybe you're willing to let that go, or now whatever the case may be, just just sorry, 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 sorry. And I feel as though getting smaller when I do it, but it's very hard to break out of. So when Joan was constantly in the like, sorry, 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 I'm like, oh, that seems real familiar. So yeah, <laughs> that is that. Let's move on, right? Because no one else has anything to say about that one. Mm-hmm. And we did it in less than 20. Look at us go. Okay, we're going to move on to episode 22. This episode was pretty heavy, fam. Um, Tony has is getting closer and closer to the wedding, and she has invited her family to her home 
to meet Todd's parents so that, you know, the families can really start uh, joining, if you will, on the, on their way to the aisle. So we find out that Tony, we already knew Tony's mother was, um, you know, country, um, not necessarily one wouldn't, wouldn't categorize her as bougie, like Tony can be categorized as. Um, <laughs> we knew she was like polar opposite. We also knew Tony was a daddy's girl. So it was like these things we knew. We didn't know that she had siblings till we found out, I believe, into this episode. And we didn't know about the kind of demons in the closet um, that she was dealing with. Every time she talked about her past, it was more so in the set of it's country, it's broke, it's poor, everything I don't want to be. I'm a city girl. I want money. I want success. Did not know until this episode that there's actual um, alcoholism within her family, oh, yeah. um, with her mother, or that there was like some deep resentment with her and her siblings, or at least her one sibling in particular. So it was very, very fascinating um, to see like, wow, when Tony left, she left, she shut that door. Like she she was not trying to um, bring all of that into her new life in this way. And, and, and now it's all on full display. So guys, what did you think let me think. What can we first tackle? Jesus. I guess we can tackle him. Well, first off, I thought I feel like we came into this thick. Hey, baby. I thought from the corner of my eye, it looked like Kima. But then I looked, I'm like, no, that's Kima's baby. Hey, Trinity. Um, yeah. Make your funny faces. Yes, this is on the recording. And yes, I'm keeping it. Um, because she's adorable <laughs> and she deserves to be here. <laughs> I'm you so cute. Anyway, okay, focus. So with this episode, I immediately, from the way they kind of presented it and started laying out the groundwork, I was sure it was about to be about Tony's Black parents, or specifically her Black Christian mother, really taking issue with Tony marrying a white Jewish man. And because not only does race um, tend to clash in these circumstances, but even if you can get over race, Religion is usually a huge hurdle um, to to kind of get over. So I was sure this is what this episode was about to be about. Mm -hmm. And then it took a swift turn. And then we realized that her mother is more upset about Tony and her sister, Sherry. Was it Sherry or Sharon? One of them. Her sister not being <laughs> invited to be like a part of the wedding because they apparently have some type of resentment towards each other. And how that's hurting her that they aren't like getting along or love each other to the point where she's reverted back after 16 years of being sober back to her alcoholism, alcoholism. So guys, what should we tackle first? Mom or sister? <laughs> we could do it in um, the order it presented, but yeah, please, Ari. We could do mom. We could do okay. mom. Um, mm. I mean, I get it, but I... Mm. I just don't Speaking think that it was fair for her to kind of be like, kind of put that on Tony and her sister. <clears> like, <throat> after all this time, you're going to start drinking again because you don't, you see your kids not um, getting along or whatever the case may be. Like, mm. I get that there are triggers out there, but mm -hmm. like, I also feel like take accountability for mm. your disease mm -hmm. right and like it's something that you wanted to do in that moment like don't come back and be like oh you did it because no it's something that you really wanted to do like right take accountability for that um right in my opinion that's just me I'm not an expert on anything addiction related however you stop for this long like don't let this one thing trigger you up um yeah like no they, i hear what you're this saying this is how yeah. they've been you know what i mean like it's not like this is something new right this is how they've been this is their relationship and for the most part they were cordial until she started to like kind of really pushing yeah really pushing it to light exactly that's just my opinion but yeah no i think that's a valid opinion and i wait kima were you about to say something I feel like she wasn't, that wasn't really the real reason why she was drinking. She was just using that as an excuse. Right. Alcoholic. I can't say alcoholic. 
alcoholic. <laughs> she's like, oh, we're not, we're not happy with each other. So I'm going to use that to say, that's the reason why I'm drinking, even though I'm an alcoholic. It could be the sun is up and I'm drinking. That's that's what an alcoholic does. So people dealing with substance abuse. Yeah. I don't even like to even further go on what you guys are saying and talk about, like you guys say, it's not new. That mm-hmm. whole concept of family members feeling like when an event, a life event is occurring, yes. now we all need to get along, act like, you know, all the past didn't happen, act like we're all together. You guys need to, you guys need to get along, fix it, fix it, because we got an event to get to in, in the two hours. Like, no, this has been the 20 year issue. We're, we're not about mm-hmm. to just act as if this is done from weddings to baby showers to funerals. Like everyone waits for these large events to really take action on relational issues um, or or try to put a smile on, put a put a good face on. And that annoys me to no end. Like they haven't been talking for a very long time. Just because she's getting married does not necessarily mean this is now needs to happen because we have to put on a brave face for the world and the family because your blood, this concept of blood, as as beautiful it is, it's great to have a very close relationship with your family, but this concept of blood needing to be the overriding factor of anything, whatever they did to you, whatever you did to them, however they're treating you, I don't. I don't I don't subscribe to it. It's hard um yeah. to pull out of that, but I do not subscribe to that. Um sorry, Ari. Then she used the wedding like a catalyst, right? Yes, oh, your yes. sister needs to be in the wedding and she why? Right. <laughs> why? Like right. I think everyone forgets like, okay, yes, a wedding or any type of like happy event, baby showers, whatever. Yes, that is an opportunity for everyone to come together as family. Mm-hmm. It does not necessarily mean that it's your place to participate or dictate how said, said event should go, right. especially if you are not paying for said event. Like, mm. <sighs> I don't know. If you're not paying for it, if you don't want to be a manipulating factor, all of that. Mm-hmm. All of that. Mm-hmm. We are not about to just use these once-in-a-lifetime events to try to fix old wounds. That's not how that works. Yeah. And we're also like, again, like with even with funerals, when people want to act like, oh, because it's too late now. Oh, oh, that was my that was my love. That was Mm -hmm. my everything. That was my this and the third. Oh, oh, I missed. Oh, where were you the last 10 to 20 years? Embarrassing. It's it's so all those things. It's very, very frustrating. Um, so I wanted to put that out there. I had to get that out because that was that was heavy on my chest. <clears throat> but I also see what you guys say. Excuse me. Seems like you got a lot of stuff heavy on your chest there, friend. Right? Get I got the whole, whole, whole world on my chest. Jesus. <laughs> so <laughs> but yes, I do believe um the mom did uh decide to use that as as it or as it was written in the show, like a convenient excuse at that point um, to kind of slip back into her, her, it is a disease, her, her own abuse of the substance that is alcohol and try to almost manipulate or use that, which again, a disease people can use it in many different ways, not only to appease their own wants and addiction, but also use it as a catalyst, like you said, or a manipulative tactic to try to get people to act the way they want them to act. Um, which I think she kind of did as well here. So I, I, it was, it was painful. You could tell it was painful for Tony. Um, what did you guys think of? Cause the dynamic I feel like they put out there was that Tony is the one who runs away from this very present issue with her mother and her mother's disease. Whereas the rest of the family, specifically the sister that, that, she, that they resenting each other is the one who's always picked up the pieces and took care of it. Um. Well, I think that's yeah. Please say something. Yeah. A dynamic of family that deals with addiction or any sort of um mental illness, and that there's so many ways that the family dynamic is impacted by that. 
Mm-hmm. Especially with, you know, uh, children were, you know, of parents that are dealing with addiction and also sometimes um, like narcissistic parents, I want to say for sure, because I know a lot about that is, you know, the fact that the, if you have siblings, right, the siblings will have very different um, recollections. Responses. Oh, recollections. Okay. Recollection responses and overall just like um, impact from the environment because usually the the, the older child, the oldest child mm-hmm. um, usually is parentified. Like they're put in a parenting role beca- for their mm-hmm. younger siblings because of the... Um, what is that word unpredictability of that parent mm. right for, or from one way or the other and usually the, the the youngest if there's multiple like the youngest younger child usually tends to have a mostly positive memory mm. because usually it's either that the parent by that point got themselves the help or stopped mm-hmm. or they see this child um as um like not that they see them as like the the best child but they kind of see it as oh well from at the point that I that I have my last child or my youngest child um I might have again like grown enough to manage it even if I'm not if I'm still addicted I still am now know how to manage it uh-huh and because again, that youngest child has had that oldest who's been a more consistent parent figure mm-hmm. uh, there to help out. And right. so when those kids are become adults, right, that that older child just res- obviously resent the parent outright rejects them at times and become no contact because of all the trauma and the hurt. Mm-hmm. And the youngest either then has to pick up the slack that, you know, the oldest is like drop quote unquote. And uh-huh. then we now resent the oldest child kind of have a misdirection of like resenting that older sibling because, Oh, well you were never there for us, you know, or you at least like just never came back to check up on me. Right. And both of those experiences and feelings are valid but it's all responses to the trauma of addiction and as i said like narcissistic um personality and what they create for those around them i totally see that i really really do um also yes i also have personal experiences with that as well so it it does it does really affect the entire family dynamic and and yeah the younger one almost almost gets to get out scot-free to an extent when they don't experience what um like what the oldest one was experiencing like you mentioned yes so did you guys like because i and, and and saying what esther was saying when she's like you know um the dynamic between the oldest and the youngest depending on how much they had to deal with by the time the youngest came around once Tony was old enough, like, what about what Lynn and Joan and all of them were saying? Like, okay, you're grown now. You can accept this. You can approach it. You can, you can, you know, approach this differently than just running this issue, this very present issue with your mother. What did you guys think about, like, the way she's choosing or have dealt with it today of, I'm just not, no, hands up. I'm not, I'm not about to be part of this. I feel like everybody deals with their own trauma differently. Mm-hmm. So I would I would never tell anybody, hey, you should deal with this. I mean, you you can deal with this differently. You blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. No. How they feel is how they feel. I, don't like I agree with that. I definitely it. agree with that. Like, some people can't take things. Like right. I get crazy. Kids don't listen. But somebody else, if their kids didn't listen, they might be a bit calmer than me. Like, people handle things the only way that they know how. I can agree with that. 
I, my, I, I feel like my hang up with that is, I guess, your mom's acting out in your friend's house and you finna leave your friend and them to deal with it because your family already said they're not. But that's the only way she knows how she doesn't know how to deal with it. You, if mm. you, if that, you might have dealt with it differently. You might know how. You might have the tools. I suppose. I guess, but like, because it affected her so much, mm-hmm. it affected Tony so much. Mm-hmm. She needed to address that situation head on. Like, I'm not a therapist, so I could be wrong here. But if something is triggering you or bothering you that much, where you're literally, you have to walk away, you're com- you feel completely embarrassed because when she came back, right, and she mm-hmm. like she's letting everyone know, like she feels embarrassed, like you know this was just too much. It was she just had to completely detach herself. If you have to do things like that, mm-hmm. like that's a situation you need to address I feel like mm-hmm. and like let that person know how it's affecting you so that they know moving forward oh I didn't know you felt that way like if she if her mother doesn't know that her mother doesn't know she just thinks oh Tony's gonna walk away like oh I can act however I want to act Tony's just gonna walk away like no it's not okay um, so I think Tony so needs to address that situation put a bit of um maybe opposite thing to that um especially when it comes to such a complex complicated fraught relationship like a parent and a child um because right like a lot of time they'll tell you oh like you know just go low contact no contact or like why do you even bother inviting your parents if uh you know there was that possibility right but Uh at the same time I feel like we all know just like the parenting relationship is again very complex where you really just love that person to death but you just hate them you know you can like love them but, like just dislike them as a person uh-huh. so much and so we're like, also Tony too like she hated her life so much that she this whole show she was a different person than who how she was raised Mm-hmm. So she did run away. She was a runaway the whole show. Mm-hmm. So her mother came. <clears throat> her only escape was to run away again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and that's what I was gonna say. That. I feel like she just does not, like you said, and I agree with you, like Ari. Like she doesn't have the proper tools, the co- the coping tools to to deal with this. Um, and again, right, like, would we want her to? For sure, for sure. But I can totally see how if you haven't done the work with within yourself, that yeah, like you just you go to what you've done before, and her coping mechanism is to just dissociate and remove herself from that situation. You know, uh-huh. be them whoever else has to handle it. Uh-huh. Agreed. No, I right see. Which, I see you guys' point with that too. I also am with Ari to an extent of this is different if it's in your home base Mm. but I can't see myself personally Mm -hmm. dealing with a very similar situation leaving knowing the situation taking the risk because of the situation and allowing my parent who is in my responsibility to take over one of your homes take over the dynamic of the event inside one of your homes and then leave y'all to handle it. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like even if you can't fix or, you know, fix 20, 30, 40 years worth of therapy and, and trauma and all that in that moment between you and your mother, at the very least, you don't leave one of my best friends to deal with, deal with it. Because if I can't deal with it, how can I, with all the experience and relationship and trust I have with this person, how could I possibly imagine any of you to have a chance? Mm. So that's my part of. Oh yeah, you you gonna leave? You just gonna leave her here with us? Yeah, no. Mm-mm. I yeah, think it's just built into my personality too. Like I address everything head on. 
That one. If I don't like it, I don't like it. And everybody gonna know that I don't like it. That's just me. <laughs> What'd you say, Kima? <laughs> I'll just say I wish I I wish I could do what Ariana can do. Cause that's 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 rare. Oh, that's a rare <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I don't that's know. That's a rare think. talent. That's a rare that's talent. To be able to say F it yeah. to somebody. You're a very gifted individual. I feel like the world, it's very gifted. Yes, she's very gifted. I feel like the world could be such a such a better place yes. if we all could get to that point. <laughs> Especially with the people we related to. Shoot. Shoot. So, okay. So that's we the discussion towards the mother. She will herself. What about the sisters? What about the, the sister dynamic? I feel like it's a lot more common this storyline um than just this this is just my first time realizing that girlfriends might have did it first but it immediately brought me to like the this christmas movie <laughs> with um regina king and the sister and how regina king stayed back to take care of mama and all this other stuff and had her children early and didn't go off while the youngest ones got taken care of by the older sister and was able to be you know flourish and do their whole career and take their time and not have anything necessarily holding them down or back that kind of concept of the one who sacrifices and stays and takes care of all the younger siblings just to not be, um, just to kind of also hold resentment towards the very success you've helped them create, as mm -hmm. well as not being recognized by all of them, of the sacrifices, not having your sacrifices be recognized. But the point of the sacrifice isn't necessarily for the recognition, correct? The point is that's not the that's point of the sacrifice. I, I mean, some roles are supposed thankless, to be. I think. <laughs> Sorry, I, think, I think some roles are just thankless roles, like thankless roles, right? You, you gotta do, do this what you, you have do to it. do. You made a decision, right? right? Because technically, she didn't have to do anything. She wasn't Tony's parent, right? Right. It wasn't her responsibility to take care of her, but she put she put herself in that role, which I have. I'm the oldest of my mom. Like, I, it, it's something that you just kind of do, but it's a thankless role. Like, it's just something that you do because you have to do when you need to do it. And it mm -hmm. didn't even have to be it to the extent that um, Tony's sister, like, had to go through because of her mom going through alcoholism. Mm -hmm. But, like, to hold on to that for so long and just mm. be like, I resented you or I didn't like you all these years because you never said thank you. Okay. Like, oh. <laughs> all right. Like, is it really that bad? Like, it's really that bad. That and if it is that bad, God, like I said, that is a gifted thing to be able to say it. Say it. God, the way people allow resentment to just literally burn a hole through mm -hmm. their hearts through their minds through their relationships through every aspect of their lives mostly based off of they expect assume waiting for the other person to realize don't you see the resentment on my face not necessarily you gotta say it out yeah. loud you yeah. have an issue you gotta say it someone I, I, I think i think the biggest say. thank you was her actually Taking everything that her sister taught her, right. right, and then implementing that into a very successful life. That's the biggest thank you, right? Because right. she could have just said, F everything you did for me. I'm going to become an alcoholic fall, too. I'm going to and... follow my mom. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. That's just me. No, absolutely. It's very complicated. It's very fraught. Obviously, it's not easy, which is why this is a very present storyline, not just in movies and TV shows, but in real life over many different families. I feel like it's a very, very prevalent issue. But God, was it frustrating? And it's not to say, not to say that Tony was perfect either. Like, it, it definitely had some vibes of, yo, what are you mad at? You you were raised by this person, and but like Esther was saying, your perspective and the way you grew up was altered based off of your more, um, but but by your different experience. Um, she felt it was bad enough that she had to get out, but she also didn't feel like or didn't really attribute her sister to all the things that her sister had done for her. She kind of grew a bit of resentment in return 
over her sister's resentment to the point where it was just like, why are you mad at this one though? Like we kind of, we see the resentment. We don't agree with it, but we see it on this side. But what's the problem with you, Tony, towards her? Or is it because you feel the resentment? Like it was such a complicated relationship there and the decisions made to just avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. Whew, it made me tired personally. But yeah, I think, I think just say it y'all say what you feel. Unmet expectations is some of the biggest disappointments. I had someone, Mrs. Kev on stage said that. Like, you want disappointment? Shit, shit. Just sit there with your unmet expectations of assuming people are going to be able to treat you the way you want to be treated without you ever making it clear how you want to be treated. You're setting yourself for disaster, in my, in my view. So, anyone I else have anything else to say before we move on? Sorry. I want to co-sign this because, first of all, people are not mind readers. At all. No matter, no matter how close they are to you, they are mm -hmm. not mind readers. And second is that, um, as they say, right? Um, what is that of uh, idiom? You um, cutting your hand to spite. Oh, Sometimes. cutting your nose to spite your face. That's the second time we did that. That's the deja vu. Cutting, your nose to, <laughs> yeah, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like, who's winning there? <laughs> yeah, but even then, it's sort of like, oh, no, that's what I'm trying. No, that's another idiot I was going to say. Basically, it's around the fact that, like, you know, when we hold on to anger, like, mm. we something as, like, poison, and you expect the other person to, like, yes. die. Yes, yeah, when you drink poison and expecting the other person to die. Oh, my yeah. God, Yes. And yes, that's exactly what happens in a lot of the situation because, right, like when you are left holding the bag for whatever reason and you think that that other person is out there enjoying their best life or basically doing something that you're like, they should have known, they should have known to like either bring me that salad or order me that, <laughs> you know, take yeah. a fries or overall just like, you know, shake up on me when, um, I, I was left alone with mom who's a alcoholic is mm -hmm. that you have I, I know it sounds weird really again as women because we are so trained to be caretakers and look at other people's needs mm -hmm. that we, we we put ourselves in that situation a lot of times where we're, where we're like expecting the other person to one realize what they did wrong towards us and then come and fix the issue mm -hmm. again right we're so trained to do that for others right there it is there it is sorry <laughs> that hit a, that hit a freaking nerve just now with me but yes so, because we so, see it we're expecting other people to be able to see it and it's like you can't expect everyone to act the way you act common sense yes. is not common it should have never been even created the term and it's not even <laughs> common sense it literally is like your expectation in your head is yeah. never going to match somebody else's level of expectation right. or just what they you know how they should treat you yes and, and, I said to my family all the time you cannot off, expect but... right like like you can't you can't expect someone else you have the mindset and the consideration that you have and the intelligence that you have and the way you treat people because of the way you grew up the people you were around your very specific circumstances all these things made up you so for you to think that someone else who had a completely different upbringing, completely different circumstances, completely different relationships is going to have the same mindset or level of consideration that you have is just insanity. It's not. And again, let's be clear, right? Even if you, like, as we said, like, even if you uh, were raised in the same family and something that I read and I, and I definitely agree with is that no two child, even if you are twins, really is has the same upbringing and that like they will not have the same memories the yes. same the same recollection yes from their parents and again that's like you no know, they, they'll have vastly different experiences or be treated differently it's just like who we are as people we are fundamentally going to be different and there mm -hmm. are certain things that you're going to hold on to because of who you are or and remember because of who you are versus um the other sibling and also as parents it's like we are dealing with two three whatever kids so we're going to interact and deal with you in different ways right and, and each child's per each child's perception is their reality each person's yeah. perception 
is their reality. Yeah. You can like, try to tell them that wasn't the case, but that's different. not how that goes. And Correct. so to bring it all back around is that I strongly urge you to start doing this. And this is something that I myself am just starting doing. It's to ask, ask for what you want. It's in, and again, as women, right? It, it, sometimes it feels weird. It feels uncomfortable, but just ask for what you want mm-hmm. and ask what you want might be, Hey, Tony, um, I really need your help here. Or like outright say, Hey, Tony, like, I am feeling hurt by you abandoning us. And again, saying it coming from you, Tony doesn't owe you anything. And she's right. also very much valid in how she goes about things, but letting her right. know, because again, when you swallow that poison, you're only hurting yourself. Yes. But if you let it out, then at least now Tony can then act and react to that. Because mm-hmm. now she knows. Right. Totally totally agree you said amen (laughs) that's some good stuff it was some good stuff so let's talk about our very last episode with this episode lynn is actually this episode was very sad and lynn um has really fallen into this passion of filmmaking and documentary making and she's decided to actually document the lives of um, current people who are battling AIDS. We are including uh, Reese in this, the friend from college that they've all reconnected with that is supposed to be a bridesmaid in Tony's wedding. And she's documenting their feelings, their emotions, their reactions, their li- like their choices and how they're going to move forward in their lives now that they have been diagnosed with this disease. During this time, she's trying to get a grant to help um, finish the project or develop it even further. And so she actually ca- recalls her mother, her birth mother, and decides to go find her to see if she can help her with the project since her birth mother apparently is so um, professional, like professionally involved with documentaries. Remember, her mother, step, birth mother is the one who's inspired Lynn. So this was wild. They go out there um, <laughs> to the dirty, dirty south. Where our good our good friend and hostess Kima be out there with living, and we find that not not only is her birth mother a very very well off, she has a well off family. And get out of here, John! Get out of here, John! Move out the camera, John! Get out of here! <laughs> husbands, no husbands allowed right now. This is girlfriends talking girlfriends. Love you, John. No, I do love you. Anyway, so <laughs> she, um, the mother, uh, she, she lent me to her grandmother, who is this very rich, very wealthy, I would say plantation owner, but I don't know for sure. Uh, <laughs> out there in the All like I see. All like you see it now. What she say? She said she met some, Lynn's, Lynn's father was some colored boy she met on the bus. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh my God. So, have to take me out. We find out that Lynn's mother is also bipolar, and it started all these different things and activities in her life that she's never finished. Um, documentary making being one of them. They don't help Lynn at all. They just drop that bomb on her and kind of send her on her way. And Lynn ends up having a whole identity crisis because she's been known to always start something and never finish it. So she relates now her experiences with her mother. And Tony is like best, turns into like this best friend material where she's given amazing advice. (laughs) We are not our mothers. You have found a true passion here. You are doing great things. You are being great person. Like it was like, is that Tony? Let me just clear this TV up real quick. This Netflix up real quick. Cause that I've never seen Tony be this dying old. She didn't even want to come. So it was very, very refreshing to see that Tony had that in her. Um, what do you guys think about this, this, this this new bit of information about Lynn's birth mother and her own insecurities or how the insecurities yeah. you feel 
can be, you know, um, I feel like added upon when you realize that it's in your blood or maybe others, the way that 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 can actually rock you when you see certain similarities or something um, that you've always feared in yourself and you've seen it in the people who came before you, if that is that's clear. Yeah. So first I not and it's not wrong per se, but I but I don't know how I feel about how they talked about bipolar disorder. Mm. Um and again, it's like my third rewatch of this whole show now. Because mm. on one hand, I you know, I can see you know the bipolar um some of the uh traits in Lynn's mom and it makes sense when we remember when we first met her and how she very much was didn't have any sort of inhibition you mm -hmm. know men, you know came in was like hoo hoo like basically in a very manic um episode yeah 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 you know kind of met somebody super random and like you know just took them out you know for the night all of that which is which are very characteristic of bipolar disorder mm -hmm. and then now seeing her in a more depressive um episode mm -hmm. now um so yes and definitely because right mental illness is still something that's not as well studied and as well understood and accepted in terms of removing that stigma that mm -hmm. we do as a um, society, um, even now. Um, so, you know, back in the early 2000s, you know, the fact that they sort of moved the focus to be how Lynn felt about it and less about giving us another little... Um, episode moment <laughs> right so that they did with like the, the hiv episode right shoot um, they did it again with this episode right because this one kind of almost closed the hiv aids yeah. um yeah in a way but um and and it's and it's a real fear i'm gonna say because the fact is lynn is working with so many things all at once right now she's working mm -hmm. with uh still trying to to connect and learn about her biological parents. Uh -huh. uh, the fact that she is a biracial child that was adopted uh -huh. and yearning to again, understand a whole lot more about herself and the world around her as right. you know, that identity. And then to put it on top that now she just learned that, hey, you might potentially have this medical trait in you. Mm -hmm. And I, and again, it's, we're just really getting into the studies and understanding um, both the mental as well as the physiological aspect of mental illness. So yeah, it's like, can I possibly um, have this thing or might be predisposed you know, predisposed to having this thing, all this stuff for sure. And at the heart of it is a child yearning to just understand her biological mother mm -hmm. and fearing, as we all fear at one point in our lives, will I be exactly like my parents? <laughs> Bruh, let's just in delve into that real yeah. quick. In terms Has of the negative else, stuff. Yes. Yeah. In terms of the negative stuff. Has anybody else in this crew <laughs> had moments? Sometimes the partners pointed out on, you know, a fear of death. They, they're foolish for doing so. But of realizing that you have some of the negative characteristics that you couldn't stand or were frustrated about with your own parent and started seeing it within yourself or having someone pointing it out in you. And you're like, no, because I will raise my hand high that I have been told or, you know, notified of some things. And then sometimes I catch myself and I realize, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. How can I change and realize you have to really delve deep to change that in yourself. It's scary as heck. At least it's been scarier for me 
the, at least oh. and like Esther said, the negative aspect. Obviously, I would love to learn how to cook as well as my mother or talk a good game like my daddy. But the negative parts, the depressive states, the way you you, you treat people, the way you hold on to things. Ooh. Oh, absolutely. Um, definitely for me. Um, you guys call it a talent, like the, but I read the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Right. Make sure, that's make sure then, my, my audible. One second. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized I was, you know, going about it all wrong, right? Because those mm. were some characteristics that my mom had as well, just being like, you know what? I'm gonna do me the hell with it, right? Mm. But there is an art to really just not giving a fuck essentially, like mm. Yeah, you can dismiss certain things, but at the same time, it's like you're not really dismissing it. You're just doing something different about it okay. in a way that's going to benefit you and hopefully teach someone else something. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely, you know, I, I got to a point at one point, I'm like, I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn. And it was coming off as I was like unapproachable. Like it really puts you in a bad light, right? If you're mm. always that way. Um, but there there is an art to it. There's a there's a way to do it without being like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hear so, you. Yeah. So that that was a big one for me. Um learning how to give a fuck about not giving a fuck. You know what I mean? Right, so, finding that balance. Yeah. I kind of see it in a different way. Yeah, like, go I, for it. Show us. Tell I us. Like, I don't give a fuck, but like to me it's more of I care about myself and I care about how you treat me and I care about my feelings. Mm-hmm. And if I don't want to do something, if I don't want to hear something, if I don't want, like, if I don't want something in my space, I'm, I'm going to let you know. That's, that's what I admire about it because there's so many times where, you know, inconveniences happen in your life where you, you, do things you don't really feel like doing mm-hmm. like, especially with being the big sister thing you always have to take care of everyone else mm-hmm. sometimes I just wanted to say yeah no I don't feel like doing that right and myself I I want to do something else so like that's why I admire people who are able to stand up for themselves more mm-hmm. I look like you need to read that book too Kim. yeah so have you had any fears? <clears throat> have you had any fears as well where you started seeing your parents stuff Absolutely. coming to you and you were like, oh, oh, wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I to me it's kind of like with my body. Okay. Oh, my mom walks with her head tipped to the side sometimes. And like sometimes I catch myself doing that. And then my sister does it too. Or like I'll do something and I'm like, my mom does this. Or my mom eats like this or like my mom would talk like this like it's just little things mm-hmm. that I- yeah I hear you I feel it girl me too I'm like oh I'm like oh this is growing out just same way my mama's grow out yeah, <laughs> oh no we know when Tawana's making a present okay <laughs> like, All right, my- <laughs> hey 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 hell no no, no, no. Talking, no. She's walking around. They talk about something. This house is a mess. I can't do nothing. I said, "Are you? Are you doing me?" Hollywood <laughs> Trinity. Yes. Uh-huh. Starting. She's like, "Yeah, oh, that's yes. Sorry. So, uh, it's weird how things just pass right on down. Yeah, it sneaks up we'll on you. Them. And so I totally related. Um, I could relate with with Lynn's fears and how she addressed that whole situation. Um, I loved this episode for how it um, brought to light some people who were really, truly in real life battling this disease. I loved how they closed it out, shed a tear myself. Um, Unfortunately for the different people that were lost to AIDS, some of them who were in the actual documentaries that they featured, which was, they featured a real documentary as a fake documentary in the show. And so we got to meet some people who were actively fighting it and unfortunately lost that battle. Um, F8, I just want to throw that out there. And so 
I thought that was really, really, really important for them to do that, for girlfriends to do that and make that stand and, and make that kind of um, known that these people were here and that these people, what they wanted in this moment when they were sick, the, their wishes and what they were aiming for, regardless of how this disease um, was taking, trying to take over them. So love that episode for that. I'd like to end with you guys if no one else has anything else to say about that. If you do, now's the time. But I'd like to end with you guys um, just asking kind of a fun way the opinion on the last thing that happened in this episode. Maya, I kind of want to know what you guys would think. Maya choosing to go and actually take her shot with being William's assistant to get the raise, knowing she would have to leave Joan and kind of go through that back and forth thing. What would you guys think? Did you guys like, like, I mean, all petty, all petty answers allowed here. Were you on the side of like Joan feeling completely betrayed? Yeah, I'm on my (laughs) Especially because um, Joan and Maya have always been in a disparate uh, economic class. Yes. And she has, I would say, much more economic responsibilities having a son. Mm -hmm. And now being divorced. And being divorced than Joan. Like, yeah. I I mean, if if, if I was in Joan's uh, shoes right now, would I feel Mm -hmm. hurt? Yes. I will feel extremely hurt. But you know what? Like, I will talk shit about Maya to my therapist. And possibly some other friends, you know, separate from Maya. But like, tell her, yeah, like I support you because it's it's about me. Like those feelings are mine. But as a friend, you would have to understand that like she is trying to get her bag. Mm-hmm. And Maya gave those reasons. Like she gave very specific reasons, like saying exactly that. Like you and I don't make the same money. I have a son to take care of. I live on my own right now. Like, here's an opportunity for me to make more money. She said that to Joan, mm-hmm. and, you know, in typical Joan fashion. No, I can't afford to lose an assistance. Exactly. You cannot, but you can afford to get a new one who is mm. comfortable with this pay. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel, I feel like if I was, well, I feel like Joan's dramatic anyway. So Joan would have that act that she does but if i was joan i would definitely be like hey since william got this emotion you should apply for to be his assistant because it's making more money william is our friend too first of all mm-hmm. and i could find a new assistant it's not like you're leaving yeah, all together think- i'll see you around the house like staying but like, <laughs> right. just shows me again how much you know people have always like uh, talked trash about girlfriends in terms like you know how they're not really good friends to each other they're not (laughs) sometimes because (laughs) even as like a people manager they always tell you at least like good people managers know that like Mm -hmm. one of your biggest responsibilities to your direct reports is you help them in your career and helping them in your career definitely implies that at some point they will leave you and you yourself as a good manager are preparing them to leave you mm-hmm. yeah yeah she wanted to be her little puppet and so the fact that like oh you're gonna lose <laughs> the little puppet. Pay, then then you don't talk to maya about that you talk to your boss about that mm-hmm. yeah. Why did maya found something else to do and just left outright the company you will still be without a manager without a um assistant yeah I, and you work, yeah. work to live you work so that you can have money to live your life. Right. She can take more money and just be happy for her. Right. Absolutely. That, is, I, that is a very rewarding, like, Esther brings forth a good point. That is a very rewarding feeling when the people that report to you have moved on in, into different roles and responsibilities mm-hmm. and knowing that you helped them get to that point. So the fact that Joan is just like, no, you're mine. Like she's not your child. You know what I mean? Right. Like this is this is okay. not. You over here trying to jump a thousand hoops just to make yeah. sure she makes the money she's asking for. That's still very limited. 
Exactly. And I'm like, you make it happen. You have your best friend as your assistant. Maybe you do need a new assistant, someone that's yeah. gonna try you a little bit. So maybe you could actually get some fucking work done around here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you know what? Change is not always a bad thing. And I think for right. Joan in this aspect, she's being very selfish. Like, yeah. oh, I'll just give you the money out of my pocket. What? What? Like you were just complaining about how you are making enough anyway. Exactly. <laughs> exactly you might as well let me move back in what you told me to get my own okay and i will i do want to end this commending maya because that was a very very brave thing to do to number one to to advocate for yourself to to advocate for yourself to actually um what's the word um go after what you wanted with her asking william for the promotion basically and to do all this when your friend is your boss that was mm-hmm. extremely complicated and hard. So I commend Maya for actually even making the steps and sticking to it. Because I can see myself tripping all over that. What we start off with, sorry, 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 sorry. Like I, I can see myself like, oh, like I, the anxiety that I would feel for that whole situation. Woo. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Maya had to prepare Maya. before she went in. You, like, said, you said you sure she was? I'm sure she had to prepare for that moment before she went in. Like did a little oh, talks like, don't back down. No, got to go through this. Right. Right. So it's for, the for all of them. I'm glad we've gotten to this point and we have done it, ladies. I think we're only about 10 minutes over. So that's not bad. We have done it. We've done our three episodes. I think we can keep this going. But for the next the next time we'll be here, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be for the Girlfriends Talking Girlfriends series season three finale two episodes where the wedding is happening after that we have two surprise episodes coming for you following that so make sure you continue to listen we're going to be switching some things up on you i think you're gonna like it because we like it so until then we want you guys to always be heard have an excellent um holiday and new year because that's the next time you'll be hearing us okay see you next year um Remember to follow us, review us, support us on all your podcast listening platforms. Remember to visit the We Need to Talk Club website so you can see all the different podcasts we talk about and that we have. You'll enjoy them, I swear, because we do. And until we need to talk again, bye.